All right. Tonight, we're going to continue what the Bible says. And we've been doing a little series on what the Bible says about different subjects. And tonight's a little bit different because it's not really just what the Bible says. It's more of how you deal with people. And it's not dealing with people in a bad way. This is not an argumentative thing. What this is, as Christians, we ought to be witnesses to other people. And we ought to be telling people about Christ. And here's what happens. When you go tell people about Christ, whether you're in the workplace, this says on uh, how to handle common questions on visitation. But the truth is, if you're at work, or if you've got relatives, or you've got just friends that you know, and you want to talk to them about the Lord, often they come back with something. They say, well, and what I'm going to give you is a little ammunition for your gun tonight, and how to deal with people in such a way. And I'm not saying these people are bad people. They're not bad people, but I'm saying people need to be saved. And I'm just giving you some extra tools tonight in witnessing. That's all this is about. And so it's not slamming anybody because that's not what we're after. We're actually after people to get them to Christ is what we're after. We're, not, we're for them. We're not against them. And so you can kind of fill this out as you go. If you don't want to fill it out, you don't have to. But these little blanks right here, I'm going to give you what it says, and then we're going to talk about what the Bible says about each of these subjects. And I hope it will be a help to you. Probably be a two-parter before we get finished, but that's okay. All right, number one, I'm a good person. How many of you ever had somebody tell you that when you tried to tell them about the Lord? Well, I'm a good person. And the truth is, they may be a good person. That doesn't really have anything to do with it. And I wrote down, look at this response. I'm sure you are, however the Bible says. And then it gives you scripture to deal with that situation. Like Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even though you might be a good person, we're still sinners. The best of us are sinners. It makes no difference who we are. Look in Romans 3.10. This is all written here. You don't have to open your Bible. You can you could mark these if you want to. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And then Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, that's your sins, like the wind have taken us away. And then 1 John 1, 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Some people don't think they need to be saved because they think they're a good person. And they might be good law-abiding citizens. And they might be good neighbors. And they might be good, uh, they may pay their bills on time. And they might uh, be good as far as the world's concerned. I mean, I remember my dad, he'd say, no, that, that's good people that live over there. What that meant was they were honest people. They were people that would do anything they could for you. They'd try to help you if they could. They're just good people. They're friendly and they're nice. And we've got a town full of people like that. We really do. Just nice. We, got, we live in it. We, we're spoiled, really. I mean, we got a good place right here. Every now and then somebody get mad at somebody or something. But for the most part, we've got a good place. And we've got, I mean, you live in the South. I mean, <laughs> thank the Lord for that. It could be worse. You could live in another country. Amen. Like Los Angeles. You live in a great place, New York. <laughs> but God's been good to us, and he's blessed us. But the truth is, even though people say, well, I'm a good person, you're not good enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've got to be as good as God is. If you're not as good as he is, you're not getting into heaven. You say, how do you get in? You've got to trust Jesus as your Savior. See, because we're all sinners, we have a need 
for a Savior. And by the way, and we'll probably get to this somewhere down through here, there's only one Savior. There's not a whole bunch of them. There's just one, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. How about number two? I do the best that I can. I do the best that I can. Now, that goes right along with that one. But here's the response. Our best is not good enough. When I was in the second grade, I had Mrs. Sullivan at school. I don't even know if she's still alive. I don't know if I've been kept up with her. But I know in the second grade, I was sitting there. And, and honestly, I was pretty good at school until after the sixth grade. <laughs> but up to that point, I was, and I was pretty good then, too, because I knew what would happen if I wasn't when I got home. My daddy frowned on stuff like that. And so I was very, very careful. Sort of. <laughs> and so I, I like to have fun. I still like to have fun, but, you know, might have been a little mischievous, but we just had a good time. But Mrs. Sullivan, I remember another boy was talking to me, and I was talking back. We was talking. She was teaching. Well, she didn't like that. So she said, all right, Derek, out in the hall right now. And I was thinking, well, that boy was turned around talking to me. But here I am, and she takes me out in the hall. And she says, I'm disappointed in you. She said, you've, she said, that's, that's not, that's no good. I said, well, I'll, I'll do, I'll do, I'll, I'll do my best. She said, your best isn't good enough. I thought, well, if it's not, what is good enough? I thought, well, I don't know what to do then. If my best isn't good enough. She said, I'm going to send you to the office if it happens again. I thought, well, I don't want to go to the office. Because when I was in school, they would paddle you. And that was the least of your worries. Because then they'd notify your daddy, and he'd really get you. <laughs> so, I mean, the, that was like, uh, the paddling was like, um, that was like something fun at school <laughs> compared to what he was getting at home. So he beat, you know, he never beat us, but boy, we, we just didn't want to deal with that, you know, didn't want any part of it. But anyway, I just always remember that. Well, I'll do my best. She said, well, that's not good enough. Well, the truth is your best is not good enough as far as salvation is concerned. You can do the best you can and it's still not good enough. The old saying is we don't get better to get saved. We get saved to get better. And that's really the truth. We get saved to get better. You don't get better. People say, well, if I'll just get better, I'll get saved. It doesn't work like that. Look in Ecclesiastes 7.20. It's written down for you. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good... And sinneth not. There's no such thing. Then Psalms 39.5. He says, Behold, thou hast made my days as an hand breath, a short, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state, I mean at his very best, is altogether vanity. At your very best, it's still not good enough. We had a guy that came to church years ago, and he told me, he said, I haven't sinned in years. Well, he sinned right then. That's a sin. You say, well, he lied. Because I'd seen him sin several times and stuff he'd said. And he believed in sinless perfection. And he believed that once a person came to the Lord, that they could go years and maybe decades without sinning. That's not found in the Bible. There's nowhere in there. That's the craziest stuff you ever heard in your life. And the truth is, that's not true. And we're not uh, sinless. It's just the way that it is. And the best we can do won't be good enough. You've got to trust Christ as your Savior is what you've got to do. That's all we can do is turn to Him. Anyway, some people are 
nuttier than a pecan pie. <laughs> All right, number three. <laughs> Why go to church? How many of you ever heard that one before? You know, you really need to trust the Lord. To you. Why go to church? I think it's wonderful if we go to church. I think everybody should go to church. I think the Bible teaches we're supposed to go to church. But the truth is, people who go to church need to be saved too. Going to church won't get you to heaven. I think it was Billy Sunday, he said, going to church won't get you, make you a Christian any more than sleeping in the garage will make you a car. <laughs> he said, it doesn't work like, that's true, isn't it? You sleep in the garage, that doesn't make you an automobile. It's just not how it works. He said, well, how do you get to be a Christian? You got to have a relationship with Christ to be a Christian. Going to church is great, and everybody ought to find a church. But still, there's more to it than that. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. One time there was an older preacher, and he was dealing with a lady, and she was very wealthy and uppity, and she was educated and wealthy and all this stuff. And Anyway, he began to witness to her, and he wasn't getting anywhere. And He said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, are you ungodly? And she said, well, of course not. He said, well, that's too bad. She said, why? He said, because Christ died for the ungodly. That's what it says. He died for the ungodly. Do you know, without Christ, we're ungodly. We've got to have Christ as our Savior. People get thinking that. A lot of people think that they go to church, they think their church will get them to heaven. I don't care if you join every church in town, you're not getting to heaven that way. You say, well, we're Baptists. That don't mean nothing. What's that mean? You're not going to heaven because you're a Baptist. So we're Church of Christ. That won't get you to heaven. We're Catholic. That's not going to do it. You can fill in the blank and go right down the line. That's not going to do it. You say, what do you got to do? You got to have a relationship with Christ. I believe there's people that go to heaven that's never even been to church. That's how crazy I am. You say, how are they getting there? They trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I believe that. I admit, there was a guy down there in Bald Knob, and he was... Um, wealthy i think he's still living he owned a trucking company and he was partners with mark martin's dad julian martin for a long time and they were 50 50 partners in the trucking company well this guy he was really so he had all he was into horse racing and had horses and had all these different things and and had all these things up in, in his office of years gone by and I, and I remember seeing Mark Martin's dad our office was next to his and he would drive up on his motorcycle the race car driver's dad and I remember seeing him out there and anyway I'd go over there and talk to this guy on this trucking business they separated later and they had his own trucking business and anyway he liked for me to come over and we'd sit and talk and had a good time I, he could tell a story like nobody I'd ever heard in my life I just like to listen to his old stories you know and he's just a good guy and he, then he'd have me, and I'd start talking to him about the Lord. And he'd always want to listen to me talk about the Lord. And I said, where do you go to church at, Larry? He said, well, I don't go to church. He said, I know I probably need to, but he said, I'm busy, and I do. And he was busy and all this. But he said, I don't go to church. And I said, well, let me ask you something. I said, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And tears came up in his eyes. You know what he told me? He said, you may not believe this. I don't know how you believe. He said, I don't know everything about the Bible. But he said, I was watching Billy Graham on TV one night. And he said he was preaching the gospel. If you ever watch those old Billy Graham stuff, he preached it straight. There's no doubt about it. He told them how to be saved. And he said, 
And I was watching Billy Graham, and he said he was preaching the gospel, and he gave an invitation, and he said, I got down on my knees in that living room, and I prayed and trusted Christ right there. And he meant it. You know what I think? I think the guy's saved. He doesn't go to church. He should. It's wrong not to go to church. But that doesn't mean he's not going to heaven. You can go to church and not go to heaven. You can miss the whole thing by not trusting Christ. We had a guy one time, and he was a deacon years ago, and he got up and he said something like this. He said, he's, everybody's giving testimonies. He had a testimony service. People got up and they said, I just want to thank the Lord for saving my soul. Boy, I'm glad I got saved. If I hadn't gotten saved, I don't know where I'd be right now. Many people were talking and bragging on the Lord. And this guy got up and he's a super nice guy. He said, you know, everybody's talking about being saved. And he said, I know I'm a deacon here. And he said, I don't ever remember a time that I got saved. He said, I've just always been a Christian. I thought, how in the world did he get to be a deacon to begin with? And I, the reason he's a deacon is because there's a family-run church, and he's part of that family. But anyway, but you get thinking, how sad. And to be honest with you, the guy was really a nice guy. He really was. He was a great guy. But he wasn't saved. Just because you've always gone to church and was raised in church, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You've got to trust Christ as your Savior. All right, number four. Here's a good one. I hope that I'm saved. How many of you ever heard that one? Well, I hope I am. Well, the Bible says you can know that you're going to heaven. It really does. You say, no, it doesn't. Sure it does. Look in 1 John 5, 13. It's right here on your sheet. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, why is that written to you that believe on the name? Let me ask you a question. Have you believed on the name of the Son of God? Yes or no? Yes? Yeah. Okay. You believe His name's Jesus. Can we all agree with that? Sure it is. Okay. Then he says, these things have I written unto you that's believed on the name of the Son of God. Then if you believed on him, this is written to you. Anybody that's believed on him. For what reason? That ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know how I know I'm saved? Because the Bible says I'm saved. This is God's word. It's God's book. It's the only book God ever wrote. And I can know it simply by what the scriptures say. I'm not trusting in how I feel every day. I'm trusting in what the Bible says. This is God's letter to us. And it tells you that you can know that you're going to heaven. And you ought to be thankful for that. You ever get it where you don't feel like, I don't know if I'm saved or not. And you, try, you know, you pray and ask the Lord to save. Just open that Bible and read that verse. Say, well, it says right here I am. That's good enough for me. I had a girl one time and she said, I just don't know what to do. I, I, trust, I, I think I'm saved. I think I'm saved. I'm just worried about it. I said, well, let me ask you. I said, do you remember praying and asking the Lord to come into your heart and save you? She said, yeah, I did that. And I said, well, let me tell you something. You've done what God's asked you to do. And I said, the ball is in his court now. And if something's not right with that, he's going to have to show you because you've done what he told you to do. And you know what? That's all you can do is do what he told you to do. And if that won't get you to heaven, then he's a liar. But he's not a liar because it'll get you there. Let me just say something. People say, well, I hope that I'm saved. When I, start, when I surrendered to the ministry years ago, back in the 1900s, so <laughs> you weren't even alive, was you? No. Some of them weren't even alive over there either. Well, that's a different century, by the way. Cheyenne doesn't remember the 1900s, do you? No. She, she's like 
the rest of us, you discovered America in the 2000s. <laughs> so, but anyway, back in the old 1900s, when I started the ministry, I had a boy I went to school with. Good guy, he's a different religion. So which one makes no difference. He really is a good guy. We always got along, and he went to his church, I went to mine, but we, we'd spend the night together growing up and have a good time, and I always enjoyed him. He enjoyed me. I came from a good family, all that stuff. And so when I surrendered to the ministry, he came over to my house, and he began to question me about it. Never bothered him that I was a different religion until I surrendered to the ministry. All those years went by, never bothered him till I got in. Isn't that funny how that works? He didn't care about me. Until I was really got in all the way. Oh, now he cares. He didn't care at all. Or he would have said something a long time ago. And you know, he came over and he said this. He said, well, I just don't know. What do you mean you surrendered to the ministry? What do you mean? Because of the church he went to, you just decided you was going to be a preacher. Just like you decided you was going to be a fireman. Or decided you was going to be a coach. Or decided you was going to be a nurse. Or to, and I said, well, the truth is, I said, the Lord called me to preach. He said, called you to preach. He said, how'd you know that? I said, well, the Holy Spirit dealt with me. I said, kind of like when I got saved. He goes, what do you mean when you got saved? He dealt with you. And I said, well, I was convicted about it. He said, I don't understand that. I said, well, let me ask you something. I said, um, how do you believe you're going to heaven? Because he kept on going. I said, I know I'm going to heaven. He said, how do you know? I said, because I did what the Spirit told me to, what the Bible says. And I said, well, how do you believe you're going to heaven? He said, well, you've got to believe, and then you've got to confess your sins. You've got to be baptized, and then you've got to try to live for him. I said, have you believed? He said, yes. I said, have you confessed your sins? He said, yep. I said, did you get baptized? He said, sure did. I said, have you been trying to live for him? He said, well, I've been trying to. I said, where would you go if you died right now? He said, well, I hope I'd go to heaven. I go, what? You just told me how to get there, and you did everything to get there to get there, and you still don't know? That doesn't make sense to me. He says, well, how do you, how would, what do you think about going to heaven? How do you think you've got to get there? I said, well, I, I said, I believe that you've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And I buried him, and he rose again the third day. He's alive today. And I believe that you've got to know you're a sinner, and you've got to pray and ask him to save you from, save you from your sins. And he said, well, do you believe all that? I said, yeah. He said, did you pray and ask? I said, yeah. He said, well, where did you go? He's going to put it back on me. I said, I'd go to heaven. He says, are you sure? I said, I know I would. He said, how do you know? I said, because these things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. He goes, he didn't say any more about it. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of funny how people are, you know. And it's almost like he was mad because I knew and he didn't know. But I said, you can know too. You just got to believe the Bible. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not a son, the Son of God hath not life. And that's right there, 1 John 5, about verse 11 or 12. And that verse in a King James Bible, because it's so hard to read, you might be surprised how many archaic words are in an NIV or ESV. I could show, I could blow your mind with it. I mean, really, I've got a book that thick that's just got them all listed. It's craziness. People say, well, the, and the King James Bible is written on a 5.63 grade reading level when it was tested. But let me say this. That one verse, every word in it has one syllable. How high do you think that reading level is? 
it's got to be pretty low. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You say, what's that mean? Must mean if you got him, you've got it. And if you don't have him, you don't have it. <laughs> That's pretty plain, isn't it? How simple can that be? Have you got him? If you got him, you're going to heaven. Quit worrying about it. Lord, take care of you. All right. Number five. Oh, this is a fun one. There's too many hypocrites in the church. <laughs> How many of you heard that one before? <laughs> oh, yeah. All the time. I've had that one thrown on me so many times. I love it when somebody says that, really. I just like to have fun. Hey, look what I, my response. I'm asking you to receive Jesus Christ, not church people. That's a good response. Well, there's too many hypocrites down there. We're not asking you to receive them. Well, I'm not going to get saved because there's too many hypocrites in the church. You know, I always say, I'm a smart aleck, and I know, I'm sorry, I can't help it. Well, there's always room for one more. <laughs> Might as well have some fun with it, you know. I mean, that's how people are. People are funny like that. And I always ask them this, do you work with hypocrites? You mean you still work there and there's hypocrites? You, do you ever go to Walmart? I've heard there's hypocrites that go to Walmart. And you still go? Well, apparently you don't really care about hypocrites or you wouldn't go there. You know what that is? It's just an excuse. That's all that it is. A hypocrite that's stopping you from coming to church or coming to Christ is closer to him than you are because that's what's in between you and him. You ever think about that? Now, I always say this. If, if a person's, let's just say they're a hypocrite, so to speak, what, they, what somebody would call a hypocrite, I want them at church. Why wouldn't you want them at church? It makes no sense to me. They say, oh, you don't know what they did last weekend. I don't care. They need to be right here is where they need to be. And I'm not going to berate them over what they did last weekend. I want to see them come in here, and God will convict them, and he'll take care of that and help them get right. You know, there's a lot better chance for them to get right in church than there is somewhere else. And so many people say, well, well if, if I came down there, you'd, the ceiling would fall in. I always say, no, when we built the new church, we built it with you in mind. And we put extra supports up there. And so anyway, I'm thankful I knew you when we built that because it's all good. You come on now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I'm not asking to receive. I'm asking you to receive Jesus Christ, not church people. And then 1 Peter 2.22, it says, Who did no sin, speaking of Christ, neither was guile found in his mouth. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which could not be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. And look at the rest of it. Yet without sin. Even though he was tempted as we are, he didn't sin. And so here's the thing. So, well, there's just too many hypocrites down there. We're not asking you to trust them. We're asking you to trust the only man that never sinned. He's not a hypocrite. He always tells the truth every single time. I can't find any fault in him, can y'all? Nope. I'll answer my own question. Nope, I can't find any. Zero. Perfect is what he is. So, a person wouldn't trust somebody like him. There's just something wrong with them. So that preacher down there, I know, I don't even like the preacher down here. What's that have to do with it? We're not asking to trust him. Trust Christ. 
You can not like the preacher and be all right. But if you don't like him, there's something wrong with you. All right, number six. My parents are saved. All right, the response. Salvation is personal. And that's so true. People think they're going to heaven because their family members are going. And that's not necessarily true. God does not have any grandchildren. Doesn't have them. No grandchildren. Just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you're saved. Salvation is a personal thing and everybody has to trust the Lord. Look in John 1, 11 and 12. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He came to his own, they didn't receive him. But as many as that did, well, they became sons of God, even them that believe on his name. They got saved is what that means. We was knocking on doors right outside Washington, D.C. one time. And uh, speaking of that verse, he came in his own, his own received him not. Came to those Jews and there's Elizabeth and I, this years ago, and I was knocking on this door. This lady came to the door and I invited her to the church. I, I preached at that church that Sunday there in Alexandria. No, is it Alexandria, Virginia, right there? And anyway, I preached there and we was inviting them. And, and um, there was that lady and she said, oh, I'm a Jew. I said, that's okay. I said, my best friend's a Jew. She goes, oh, really? What's his name? I said, Jesus. She goes, I've heard of him. <laughs> I thought, well, I told, I told Elizabeth, I said, well, he came in his own. His own received him not. <laughs> but that's true. Amen. I wasn't being mean. I was just talking. I was having a good time. Look, John 3, 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. One time I heard about a lady or a guy, a man in town that needed to be saved, and I had never met him, so they said he wanted me to come by the house sometime. So I went over to his house and um, one night, and I went over there, and he and his wife were there. He welcomed me right in, and I was talking to him and told him where I was pastor, and they knew about our church and all that. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, um, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Do you know for sure that you've been saved and all this? And, and, he, and he said, and by the time he opened his mouth, his wife said, oh, yeah, he's been saved. She said, I know, he's already been saved. And I said, well, I appreciate it. That's great. I said, would you mind telling me about how you got saved? She said, oh, she said, his, she said there's a family Bible in there. And she said, um, his name's all in that. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And I said, how about you tell me about when you got saved? And she said, oh, no, let me go get the family Bible. She said, his mom wrote it all down and everything else. I said, that's great. But I'm thinking, why don't you let him answer the question? I wasn't even talking to her. See, salvation's personal. And all she can do is take his word for it that he had been saved. That happens so much, things like that. Anyway, pretty wild is what it is. That Philippian jailer over there in Acts 16 with Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Not what must we do, not what must you do, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. See, he made salvation personal. And when you make it personal, that's how the Lord wants it. He wants to deal with individuals. Individuals. I'm not saying multiple people can't be saved in a service because we've seen it many times. And God's been good to us. We've been, we've been baptizing people on a weekly basis and seeing souls saved. It's been exciting what God's doing. And we probably baptize more people 
already this year and we haven't last two years. It's amazing. God's been blessing us like crazy. It's been good. But the truth is salvation is still a personal thing and each person must make their own decision for Christ. All right, how about number seven? I'm not ready to be saved. I'm just not ready. People say that all the time. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. They may say today is the day of salvation. And it is the day. I told you about dealing with that guy in the nursing home. And he was up in years and he was lost. And I was asked to go see him. And it's about three years ago. I went out there and he was on the bed and he couldn't hardly even sit up. And he was in really bad shape. And they had to come in and feed him. And they had to bathe him. And he couldn't go to the restroom or anything. I had to take him. I had to do everything for him. I mean, he was in terrible shape. I felt sorry for him. And I began to talk to him, and I said, uh, let me ask you something. I said, is there ever a time you trusted the Lord as your Savior? He said, no, I haven't done that. He's really nice. I said, would you care if I took this Bible and showed you in the Bible how you could be saved? He said, I don't care. And so I got the Bible, and I went through the whole thing with him, one step by step, by step slowly explained it as good as I could. And when I got finished, I said, now, I said, would you be willing to trust Christ and pray and trust Christ the best way you know how right now? He said, well, I just don't think I'm ready yet. I said, do what? He said, I just don't think I'm ready yet. I said, not ready yet? He goes, no, he said, I'm just not ready I said, sir, I don't mean any disrespect. I don't mean that. I said, you can't even feed yourself. I said, you've gone downhill. I said, you can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. Somebody has to do all that for you. I said, you can't take a bath. I said, somebody has to come in here and bathe you. I said, you can't get up and walk. I said, you're bed fast. I said, you're in a bad situation. What do you mean you're not ready? He said, well, he said, I just think I need more time. I said, sir, you don't have a lot of time. You better get in while the gets good. That's what you better do. But there's so many people like that. So many that way. Second uh, Corinthians six two. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. So now is the time. That's so important. Today's the day. Now's the day. You need to be saved now. So many people. I, I get that a lot. Often it seems like people say the same thing. Get it all the time. You ever heard that one? Just not ready yet. Just not ready. Well, you better get ready. And now would be a good time to say, hey, have you turned on the news lately? It might be a good time to get saved if you're going to. This thing looks like it's wrapping up. What a mess we're in. It's craziness what it is. That COVID and stuff, I don't believe any of that's an accident. You say, oh, you're a conspiracy theory. I don't, I don't believe that. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I, something's got to happen like that before the Lord comes. I've read the Bible. Something's got to take place. Somewhere down the line, there's going to be somewhere in that line, in that, in that tribulation time, which I don't believe we'll be here for. I believe we'll be out of here. That's my belief. I believe the Lord, I believe the rapture will happen. But before that happens or during that time, there's got to be something to cause people to have to take a mark. And if they don't take that mark, you know what happens? They can't buy or sell. Now, what in the world could happen where people, where they convince people to do that? 
And so what people say, well, they say, well, you're against the vaccine. I've done been vaccinated. Don't throw that to somebody else. I'm flying to Mexico in a week and a half. That's somebody else you're dealing with. You know what I think? I just don't think you ought to have to take it if you don't want to. That's how I feel. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't have to. And so now what they're saying is, well, if you don't take it, you can't eat here. If you don't take it, you say, is that the mark? It's not the mark of the beast. If it was, I'd be in trouble. I said I took it. It's not the mark of the beast. But, you know, somewhere down the line, let the rapture happen, all the Christians get out of here. And they said, well, instead of carrying that vaccination card, we'll just put a chip in your right hand or forehead, and if you don't have that, you can't buy or sell. And that's what you're getting to right now. Or you can't work here. That's, uh, I never thought I'd hear that in my life. Who would ever thought that a hospital would fire employees when they have a shortage of employees? You'd have to be an idiot to do something like that. What a, I mean, that's a, they say, well, all the hospitals are full. No, they're not full. They're understaffed. Thank God for those people that are working in those hospitals, by the way. But what that means is there's beds in the hospital. They don't have the staff to handle the people. And pray for more staff. I mean, we do pray for that. I'm telling it right, ain't I? That's a nurse. She runs a floor. Not lying to you. And by the way, they do have people in there with COVID in the hospital that has been vaccinated. <laughs> Tell the truth again, don't I? It's just not on the news. So don't believe everything. It's an agenda. Here's the thing. All right, everybody needs to wear a mask at school. You say you're off topic. That's good. That's good for you. All right. Why do we need to wear a mask? You haven't proven that it's effective. In every study, I've seen three studies in the last week that says they're not effective. They say they don't work. Fauci said in his emails, we know they don't work. But yet he says you've got to wear one. All right. If this kid has a mask on and this kid has a mask on and this kid over here gets COVID, then this kid does not have to quarantine because they both had a mask on. Now, if this kid has a mask on and this kid doesn't have one on and this one gets COVID and this one's been near him, he's got to quarantine because he didn't have a mask on. You see what's happening? You're punished for not wearing a mask. You say, what is that? Making somebody wear it when they know it doesn't help. So then you get in control issues. You say, well, you go to the hospital, you got to wear it and I'll put one on. Because if I go to the hospital, I, I'm going to go see somebody and pray with them and I'm not going to let that stop me. I'll play the little game, and I'll put it on. I won't say a word, and I'll go, and I'm going to pray for somebody because I'm a pastor. When I get on that airplane and I fly into Mexico, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, you've got to wear a mask on this plane. And because I want to go help those pastors over there and preach those people, I'm going to put a mask on and get on that plane. But if you think you're going to tell me it works, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Now, if you're wearing an N95, that might help you. I'm talking about these thin, that's the ones we're talking about. And by the way, let me rephrase something else. Anybody that wants to wear a mask in our church, wear one. You're more than welcome to. That's how I feel about it. I don't think anybody should be told they couldn't wear one. It's your body. It's your choice. Oh, I forgot. That's something else. Wasn't it? Now, not anymore. It, ain't. it used to be. You say, you're crazy. My wife tells me that every day. <laughs> so she's agreeing with me. Believe me. She believes right, too, though. <laughs> Amen. All right, we've got to stop. Rant's over. They said now um, the University of Alabama, the football team over there, they said that they're not going to let people in the stadium this year 
to football games unless they can prove, they're going to have to bring a card proving that they can read on an eighth grade level. They said they expect their attendance to be way down. And so anyway, 